Mark chapter 4, three, four verses of scripture. I'll give you a moment. Oh, we're there. I'm going to talk about the power of the word of God, or also as Paul calls it, the power of the gospel. Starting in verse 26. Excuse me. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as a man who should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. Can you say with me, he knows not how? Do you know? (laughs) The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, like always, God, instructing us in manners of holiness, marriage, friendship, our relationship with the world, Father God. But it also teaches us other valuable lessons of just how powerful the message of Jesus Christ is. And what this parable teaches us today is hands off the gospel. Leave it alone. Your word has intrinsic value and power, Father God, to bring salvation to yourself. It's your mighty arm, as the prophet Isaiah teaches us, has brought salvation to yourself. Bless the sermon I ask, Father God. Let us rejoice in just how powerful the Word of God is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was sharing about evangelism for the last several weeks. And how important it is to share our faith with others. And we had to see our heart behind it. How to become a Jew to a Jew and a Greek to a Greek. To become all things to all people that some might be saved. And, And that's our job, to keep our heart open and sensitive and caring for other people from all diversity, not just to the chosen few of our life, but to really be able to be used by God to, at any time, any place, anywhere, for God to say, I want you to speak to this person, or speak to this type of person. And that's what we speak about with Paul. Paul could speak to the Jew, he could speak to the Greek, he could speak to those under the law, he could speak with those without the law of Moses. He knew how to associate with the immoral of the world without having his nose up in the air and being self-righteous in tone and to meet their deepest need because he knew they were lost sinners who needed a savior and he had the answer to their problem. So as Christians, we need to know how to negotiate all the different personalities that are out there for the glory of God. Not getting caught up in their sin by any stretch of the imagination, but it costs nothing to be friendly. I don't know if I ever told you that. It costs you nothing to be friendly. Burn no bridges, keep your heart open, be sensitive, and watch how God uses us in other people's lives. So we shared about that. Then we spoke about the four soils And how the four soils represent the receptivity of the human heart towards the message of the gospel. And we shared about that. I want to share a little bit more about it today. My desire is to remove some fears and apprehensions that many people have. Many people have a a hard time sharing their faith. It's kind of awkward. You know, where do you just go up to somebody and start saying, you know, you you need to be born again? 
There's nothing wrong with that. If you got that in, you go for it. You got it to go into someone and say, you know something, you're lost, you need a Lord, or, or just to build a relationship. Most of us are going to be used by God in more of a friendship atmosphere with friends, neighbors, and family to share the gospel. Whatever our sphere of influence is, that's where God is going to use us. And so it's, it's important to know certain dynamics on how to be used by God. Evangelists in its clearest and simplest explanation is being used by God being used by God. Evangelism is God uses us to reconcile sinners to himself. Through the shed blood of Christ at the cross, relying only on the Holy Spirit's power to bring it to the heart. That's tonight's message. Trusting in the Holy Spirit alone, not manipulating it, not adding to it, not subtracting from the message, but with sensitivity to the human need. We rely on the Holy Spirit to take that message and drive it home into someone else's life so they, need, they know they need Christ. I want to share an example with you. Uh, dehydration. We need water. Simple as that. You don't have to do anything but do what? That's all you have to do. The body does what? It takes care of the rest. The water takes care of the rest. Unless there's a severe dehydration, of course, then you have to get on IV and other things. But nutrition's the same way. We, we enjoy our food, but the body takes care of the rest. What the body needs is in the water. What the body needs is in the food. What the soul needs is in the seed of the gospel. Don't do anything. Don't shove it down someone's throat. Share it. Don't force feed it. Learn to see the human need. To learn to have compassion for the person. That takes a long time. I'm going to be honest. That's not something I had when I first got saved. I, was, I, I beat everybody up. I beat everybody away from the kingdom. No, I, not one soul got beat into the kingdom. I want you to know that. I remember when I was teaching karate at the time when I got saved. And I, oh God, I was praying for them. And I was laying hands on everybody. And, and, and I was sharing the gospel. And it, Nothing. And I remember, go, God, what's going to happen? You know what happened over the years? People start coming. And people started getting saved. Why? Because the power's in the word, not us. Not our, not our eloquence. Not, our, not our, 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 our mannerisms. It's in the gospel message. Christians are called easily to evangelize. We know that. It's intuitive to our born-again hearts. Uh, We can desire it, and we can try it, but for some reason, many Christians struggle in this area, Uh, and many who once used to be hot and sharing their faith have become cold in this area, and and, and almost have a sense of hopelessness, almost like, why bother? Why bother? I don't see any fruit. And I want to add, I think the text answers some of those questions tonight, because what are we looking for? Are we looking to sow a seed? Are we looking for the harvest? If you're looking for the harvest, let me tell you something. Sit home and watch water boil. It doesn't work that way. Learn to sow and to go. Come back in water. Sow, go, come back in water. Be friendly. Let God bring the increase. The main point I want to convey is that we are called to be good sowers, not so much good harvesters. God takes care of that. 
understanding is important on this point. That what Jesus is doing in this parable we just read, is, it's, it's, he's pointing to the, the value of the intrinsic word. The power is in the word of God, like it's in the seed. You just got to add certain elements to it and the seed will grow. I want to give you an example. Me and Joe were just speaking before. Joe and my brother, our brother Joe here who we love. and It's probably about five years ago and I remember seeing him in the gym for the first time. And I would say hello to him. I prayed for him. And I say hello every day. Every time I see him, I'd say hello to him. And one day I walk in and I said, this guy never says hello to me. <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, I was in the flesh. Brother Joe, nothing personal. I was in the. I said, I'm not going to say hello to him today. So I, I, I went the other way, and about five, ten minutes later, I see him making his way towards me. Through the machine, he goes, Are you a, a minister? I'm like, Oh, God, I'm getting rebuked already. I'm, I'm not here. It's, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning, he's correcting me. I'm like, I am. He goes, well, you know, I'm a Christian too. And then we just started sharing. And we started speaking about things about God for a little while. And then he started coming to church. And he hasn't left. He's here three years later. Him and his son are wonderful Christian men now. And you see, you didn't have to do any. What God taught me on that day, he says, Brian, it's not about you and your feelings. Get away from the feelings. The kingdom of God does not move on our personal feelings. Positive or intrinsic in the word of God God's will will be done many Christians give up on their witness that haven't seen the fruit, the harvest only much unbelief and resistance you know, that can weigh you down you know, over the years and you're, and you're sharing the faith and, you're, and you, know, you don't see anything it could really really make you sort of you know, wearisome it could dry you up but what's important over here what we have to see is that we have to see and understand how God operates in his world. And when you know that, you'll be a better sower. And it will remove any kind of spiritual anxiety that you've got to do something. Or that you failed in doing something. Or someone didn't come because you said something wrong. I can tell you right now, if someone misses the kingdom of God because you had a bad day, they were never going to come to the kingdom of God anyway. Please understand that. On my worst day, I remember repenting. I was going through something. I'm like, I'm a failure, God. I was a young Christian. And there I am. I was just about to cry. I was in the gym. And and the guy tapped me on the shoulder. And he goes, I hear you're a friend of Jesus. I'm like, if he knew the dialogue that was going on in my mind because of the failure that I knew I was... And that's how, and he's also, he's not here today, but he's also a brother in, in Christ today, and he's part of this church. That's how God operates. It's not up to us. Let's go to our text. And he said, The kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not know how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. 
But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle in, because the harvest has come. This is one of the kingdom parables. It is unique to the Gospel of Mark. Jesus in these parables are teaching certain spiritual dynamics about how the kingdom of God works in the book of Mark, and we see these in, 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 in Luke and in Matthew's gospel, that these are a time in Jesus' ministry where he's discipling his disciples. He's teaching them spiritual principles that are going to advance the kingdom of God so they can be the missionaries, the apostles, the evangelists that God has called them to do, and not to rely on self and flesh, but to realize that you have to be in line with the Lord. The sovereign God. These are spiritual lessons that Christ is teaching them. Something has changed greatly. The kingdom has changed in both appearance and how it operates now because of the new covenant. It is faith and grace versus works and the law. This is something brand new that God is going to be doing now. And they need to know it. And as the the parable of the sower talked about the human heart, here is teaching about the hidden dynamic of God's sovereignty, which is represented in the mysterious growth of the seed. The farmer says, how does this happen? That's God's sovereignty. Every Christian needs to know that. We all need to say, how does this happen? And to know that the seed is the word of God. And when it is, it's specifically the message of salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone. That's all we need to know. And to be able to share that with others. This, this, this verse goes to show the self-generating nature of the gospel message. It is totally self-sufficient. It needs no helping hand other than to share the message. After you shared the message, after you planted the message, and maybe some watering and some encouraging, after that, it is all up to God. That should make us really relax. When you know you don't have to do nothing, except share it and be sensitive, and that God takes care of the rest, you will become a a dynamic, powerful sower of the Word of God. And I'm going to challenge you right now. Everyone in this room, if you are a Christian... You should be sowing the word of God into people's lives. If, if you're not, then there's, there's, there's something wrong with your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not my job. I got my own walk with the Lord. My job is not to try to save Bay Ridge. My job is to share in the sphere of influence that I have and to share that message. And you have the same responsibility... Don't try to run to the left. Don't try to run to the right. Don't try to downplay it. It is your responsibility as a kingdom person to share the gospel. And to be sure what Jesus is teaching us here, the whole thing is of God. But here it's represented as an internal mechanism of how God's word works on the human heart. I bring a friend to a church service one day, and this is, I got saved in a Pentecostal church. A lot of singing. A lot of, lot of things were going on. There was people dancing and tambourines. And it, was a, it was really a lot of joy. And, but I bring him this one Friday, and 
you know, there was the woman got up and she prophesied four times and someone over here did something. Oh, there was this crazy stuff was going on. I'm like, oh, God, today of all days, you had to sit right next to my friend. I didn't see the guy for two months. Wouldn't return a phone call. I said, I'll never see him again. And then I saw him. He goes, Brian, I was so convicted of my sin. I was so ashamed of myself. I was there. He goes, I know nothing. All I know is I was a sinner. He goes, I got saved that night. And I look back now, my life has changed totally. He's been serving God ever since. But that's the intrinsic power of the don't touch it. Don't try to get them seated in the right seat. Bring them to the right service. Set the atmosphere. Get the tone. Get everything right. Doesn't work. You don't have to do anything. Just get people to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. That's it. You know, to be sure, when it comes to being saved this way, uh, these verses go to show the the self-generating nature of the gospel. It's intrinsic. Leave it alone. It will produce something in us. But also, so is sanctification. So is when you are a Christian. And you come and, and we know that God wants to change us. We, we have a desire to be more like Christ. And we see the obstacles in our heart. We see the obstacles in our mind. We, we see the up and down. Sometimes we're, we're moving rapidly and we're changing quickly as a Christian. And then we can have months, if not years, it feels like nothing is going on. If anything, we're going backwards. And then you get those other years that you're even not going backwards, but you're going backwards. Very painfully going backwards. You feel like there's no progress. Anybody feel like that sometimes? You see, that doesn't mean the gospel is not powerless or is powerless. It is producing something in us. It is changing us slowly from the inside out. The pastor, the teachers, we don't have to try to make something happen. When someone has confessed the Lord Jesus Christ, we are committing that person into the hands of the Holy Spirit. Of course we follow up. Of course we were concerned citizens of the kingdom. Of course we care for one another. Of course I'm going to encourage you to walk in the Lord. But if someone's generally a Christian, God is inside that person now. And God will do something. He will be faithful to complete what he started on the day of your salvation. I need to as a teacher, I need to as a pastor, as just a Christian, to come along people and encourage them. God does the work. You can't beat Jesus into anybody. You can't beat change into anybody. Husbands and wives are great at trying to change one another. We were at that for years, and one day it's like, it doesn't work. It won't work. Then you learn how to pray in a more powerful way. When you know there are no other options, and God is the only option, Then you depend on God in ways you never thought you could. And you start praying in ways that you never thought you could pray. But the parable represents more than just personal salvation. It is first and foremost about the kingdom of God. It is from the the, the first coming of Jesus Christ throughout all the years to his second coming. That's, That's what the parable is mainly about. It's also about personal salvation. But it's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that... 
under the most harshest conditions, the gates of hell will what? Will not prevail against the gospel, no matter what. Even Israel's deep unbelief and willful denial of Christ, rejection of Christ, did not stop the advancement of the kingdom of God. As John says, the light came into the world and what? The darkness did not overcome it. Jesus is both word and seed. To be sure, there's a word, there's a gospel. Do you know why there's a gospel? Do you know why there's good news? Do you know why we sing? Because the seed went into the ground and died. Remember what Jesus says in John 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Before we had the message, we had the Savior who died. That's why the message is so powerful. God the Spirit will back up the work of God the Son. There is no way God the Father is going to allow the work of Christ the Son to fall on deaf ears. You can rest assured that God the Spirit will take the work of God the Son and glorify God the Father in the hearts of sinners. Do you think you want to jump in that equation somewhere and ruin it? Do you think you can just slip in between maybe the Father and the Son and do something to make someone get saved? Or how about between the Son and the Spirit? How about we get in there and we'll, Holy Spirit, just move over a little bit. Right? Let, me, let me take over now for a week or two. Don't get in the way of the process. Share the message. Considering Jesus is speaking of the death of himself. And to think about this. He's not speaking, I hope people get saved. I hope the kingdom of God advances. Oh, I just hope, you know, you, 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 you 12 disciples are going to be cowards in a couple of days. Like, you're really the ones that, we're going to build a church on you. That it's really going to, it's really going to help, you know. Jesus Christ laid himself in the tomb in the most hostile ground possible. The Israel's unbelief. Please understand when you read the Gospels and you see just how hostile, as Pastor John goes through the Gospel of John, of just how hostile they were to Christ and how hostile they were to the disciples who themselves were cowards and deserters at the cross. But 2,000 years later, guess what? You and I are here. Why are we here? We shouldn't be here. At best, that should have been a philosophical ideology that just fell to the ground. I'm the Messiah. I'm dying for everybody's sins. Nobody should have ever followed that. Under the threat of persecution and tribulation and losing your life, losing your loved ones, being thrown out of the synagogue, economic repression, poverty, jail, under every threat, the gospel prospered in ancient Rome. And guess what? So it will in America today. The power of the gospel is not resting on who wins the election. A matter of fact, you can think, well, it's over now. And that's when God rolls up his sleeve and that's when he does his greatest work. Christians, we need to understand that. On paper, this new religion should not have worked. It should have failed from the get-go. But that's the intrinsic value of God's seed over here. It's on the hearts of God's people. 
It's God himself that is doing something. We're just part of it. We're part of something powerful, eternal. You have to understand the words of what Jesus says when he says, it's God's good pleasure, little children, to give you the kingdom. And I just love when I see God at work in people's lives. I rejoice, I cry. My life is full when I see the Holy Spirit bringing someone else to repentance. Someone saying, you know something, I just love the Lord. When I hear people praising God and singing and sharing the gospel, other people coming to faith for the first time, you can't compare to that. Jump in, get your feet wet, enjoy the kingdom of God and all its processes. I challenge you. I challenge you to make sure that your Christian faith never turns into some kind of dead religion. That you just you're showing up. I'm showing up, Pastor. I'm doing the best I can, Pastor. I'm, I'm trying, Pastor, and, and I'm just there. And there, there are dry times in our life. Don't get me wrong. There are dry times. But on a whole, our lives should be filled with a, a joyful expectation of what God is going to do. Now. And being part of that work. We know the way John says it in John 3 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has what? Been born of God. This is the intrinsic power, not just to save, but to sanctify. And we're going to speak about that later. Not today, though. The power to change us and sanctify us. It is in there. Don't have to manipulate anybody. Don't have to threaten people. Well, you know, you're going to go to hell if you keep on doing that. <laughs> you know, every once in a while you've got to pull that one out. You know? That scared them into sanctification. You won't scare anybody into sanctification. They'll run for their life. And they'll be bound by the flesh. You've got you to teach them what Christ is doing in their life. Paul says it another way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. He says here in verse 26 and 27, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Jesus here is pointing to the great limitations of the farmer. And sometimes we don't take that into consideration as Christians. Nobody can talk about the of the word of God and we should the intrinsic power of the gospel it's the power of God and it is but sometimes we'll see the power more great when we realize just how limited we are we're mortals even Paul says who's adequate for such things we know our limitations I know my limitations hopefully you know your limitations by now and Jesus is teaching about these great limitations the farmer has Though he does all he can, he's responsible for He puts the elbow, the elbow grease in. He shows up. He knows what he has to do. But the most important part, he can't do. He can't bring life to the seed. He can only plant it. Try to fertilize the ground. Add the water. But it's God and the Son who have to bring it in. The farmer can hope. He can wait, he can observe, he can pray. But the crucial part is all up to God. 
Jesus' audience knew agriculture, and they knew that it was God's ultimate blessing on the crop. You know something? Just to sort of... uh, uh, I've met a lot of farmers in my life. A lot. Do you know I never met a farmer that was an atheist? Never one. Not one. Not one. I know a bunch of them. I see them several times a year. I go out west when I go out with the umpires. They're all, they're all farmers. Do you know not one is an atheist? Not one's parent was an atheist. Not one's great-grandparent was an atheist. They're they know how to pray. Well, you have to live on the seed of the earth. You know how to pray. If you, you know when you have to feed your family, you know how to pray. When you're dependent on the elements, you know how to pray. We have to notice. We can preach. We can teach. We can evangelize. We can, we can witness to friends and family. But we have to know that it's not us that brings the ultimate blessing. He knows not how. You know something? How important is it? I pray you can leave here today knowing, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Of course, I know the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I know the wind blows to and fro. So is everybody who's born in the Spirit. I know that. But you know something? We have to learn that the human heart is not our jurisdiction. It's whose? It's God's. The human heart is God's jurisdiction. It is not ours. And history and the scriptures teaches that God has saved the worst of sinners. No one could ever have thought that the two thieves on the cross, as they were both hurling insults early into the crucifixion, that one was about to get saved. You could have never thought that. If you were following that man around hoping to see a harvest you would have gave up a long time ago but you know something we have to make sure that we stay in the game in someone's life until their last breath and then when they die we can say I don't know but we stay in people's lives until the end because of the intrinsic power of the word of God onto salvation he finishes up here the earth produces by itself First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. It's by itself. Hands off is what Jesus is saying. With any cause, self-moving, spontaneous growth. This is the intrinsic power of the seed of the word of God. And it's interesting because this by itself is only used once, twice in the Bible. In the New Testament, I should say. The only other time it occurs in the New Testament is Acts chapter 12, when Peter was in prison, and the prison door held Peter open, and it opened to its own accord, by its own accord. We know the angel did that. Just by itself. Peter wasn't shaking it. Let me out! Gotta get out! I'm an apostle! Gotta get me out! In the name of Jesus, open up the door. It opened up by. This is the intrinsic value of the seed. And this is the point that Jesus is making, and he's making it clear. The word of the gospel is self sufficient and powerful 
to the salvation of the worst sinner. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the Christian church. We will be here. If bombs go off, we're going to be here. If Christ has not come back to receive his bride, then understand something. The Christian church will endure until the moment Christ pierces the eastern sky and takes us home. I don't care if we're underground. Let me tell you something about the Christian church. Except in America, on a whole, the Christian church always looks like it's losing. You go to Europe, you go to China, you go around the world, you don't see congregations of 3,000, you don't see mega churches. Forget about it. A big church in Europe is 100 people. It is so secular, it is so hedonistic, it is so unspiritual that there are no large churches. It looks like they're losing. But guess what? It's never losing. Ever. If the angels rejoice over one sinner repenting, should not we? Or do we have to worship in, in, with thousands to feel like God is doing something? Do I need to see mass revivals to say, oh, I, I think God might be doing something. Look, look at the dead man was raised. Oh, God must be doing something. Do I need that? Or do I need someone saying, you know something, I need the Lord in my life. That's all I want to hear. I need the Lord. And I want to hear Christians say, I need more of the Lord in their life. It's self-sufficient and powerful on its own. And like seed, it takes time to germinate. I want to encourage everybody here. Even when we're sowing, sometimes seed could look like it lies dead for many decades. Many, many decades. And just sits there. It has to germinate on its own. God has to take care of that. You grandparents and great-grandparents and fathers, don't give up. Your moms and dads, don't give up on sowing the seed. God will take care of its growth. God will take care of it. Until there's a more favorable time. God knows best when to save someone. God knows best to, when to bring something through fruition and maturity. God knows best when to harvest. What we're to do is to wait, to water, to nurture, but mostly waiting. This is how Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. The hardworking farmer should be the first to share in the crop. It's hard work. We cannot force fruit. We cannot force a salvation. There's no gimmicks, no methodology that can be employed to make the seed grow sooner. It has a time, it has a God time. Many ministers today, many churches today try to do anything to create salvations and revivals and stir up the atmosphere and to do all these things and that that God is doing something. I could tell you, you can get a thousand people, 10,000 people, 100,000 people jumping up and down. It means nothing. Unless God is at work within the human heart, taking preaching, faithful preaching to the word, nothing will happen but a lot of stuff. You cannot manipulate growth. You can't cause it to grow. We have to be faithful to God's word. 
Should we create venues for sharing the word? Yes. Anything that can get me to speak to more people about Christ, the better. And we'll close with verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This verse deals ultimately with the second coming of Christ when his holy angels and the final judgment. But there is a harvest. There's always a harvest. God's word does not return to God void, but will accomplish what God desires. It's not an empty promise. If you share Christ, I'll tell you right now, you will see people saved. The only reason we don't see people saved is because we don't share Christ. Don't wait to the perfect time. Don't think you got to do it this way or do it that way. Just share what Christ has done in your own personal life. Share who's this world, America, at a time when they need God more than ever, is taking God out of the school, is taking God out of the courtroom, is taking God out of the prisons, taking God out of, uh, out of the military. Everywhere they need God in this country, they're taking God out. We have to fill the gap. We have to fill the void. Share what God has done in your heart and be not ashamed of the gospel. Understand something. We are just jars of clay, earthen vessels, as Paul says, that holds this great treasure of the seed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Share it and people will get saved. Let's close. It took me a long time to understand what Jesus was teaching here. I guess to a certain degree I'm still learning it. But one thing I know, there's nothing like being spiritually cool, calm, and collective. Understanding this removes the anxiety. It removes the self-righteousness. It removes the manipulations. You can be yourself with all sinners, all people, and you can genuinely care for them and love them and meet them where they are without having any expectations because it's all on God. It frees you up to be easy and not uptight. Just just share it. And God takes care of all the rest. That's one of the greatest things God has done. He's removed the, the, the pretense out of my heart in sharing the gospel. He's removed any kind of self-righteousness out of it. Any kind of contrivedness in, in a relations, trying to contrive the relationship so I can be manipulative to talk to you about Jesus. You don't have to do that. Just love people. Become a Jew to a Jew, a Greek to a Greek. Become all things to all people. Be sensitive to every type of human being that's on the earth and share with them what Jesus has done in your heart. God will take care of the rest. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you like always, God, for teaching us these spiritual dynamics, God, even if we look at our own life, Father God. Somehow, some way, we made it to the shores of the church. Somehow, some way, we became a bride of Christ. Somehow, some way, we became sons and daughters of God. You wooed us into the kingdom. You took the word that we heard, sometimes in bits and pieces, Father God, but you got us here. And Father, I just pray that we can be just cool, calm, and collective when we share the gospel with our friends and our families, leaving the power, the intrinsic power for you to save up to you. In Jesus' name.